Peter, it's our custom in this church to stand for the reading of the scriptures, which I'll invite you to do in just a minute. But before you do that, uh, I want to take just just a moment uh, to introduce uh, the Reverend Bishop Peter Ketula to those of you who have not met him. We have known each other for uh, over nine years. Our friendship uh, and relationship was birthed through my friendship with uh, Peter and Esther's son, Elisha, who is seated here, and Esther is seated next to him, next to Henry and Kathy Stelzel, who are not Tanzanian, by the way, (laughs) at least not yet. Um, And over the course of the years, we have um, uh, been able to be together on a number of occasions, many of those occasions actually in Tanzania, where I've had the privilege of Um, getting to know and uh, the privilege of teaching at a conference that we hold annually in Tanzania for the pastors and wives of Peter's diocese. Uh, Peter is the the bishop of the diocese of Mata Ukerewe in the northwest quadrant, if you will, of the country of Tanzania. His diocese is right along the shores of the eastern shores of Lake Victoria. It includes uh, several dozen islands actually uh, in the lake. He is also uh, the chairman of the Council of Churches of Tanzania, which is an ecumenical organization uh, which has uh, been formed to represent the interests and concerns of uh, the Christians in Tanzania, uh, actually uh, to the government. And uh, Peter, in that capacity, has uh, really been the public face and the public voice of Christianity uh, in Tanzania. He has been heard across the continent, and he has been heard uh, across Western Europe representing those interests and concerns. I I only say that uh, to you uh, so that that I I hope by communicating those things you will have some sense of the privilege that it is for us to have Peter with us. Um, Those things don't matter to him. Titles, offices, I can tell you. I mean, I know he's a sinner, you know. But he does have a white robe on. So maybe he's a little more advanced than the rest of us. But those things don't matter to him. Uh, He is a man who loves Christ. He is a man who loves the gospel of Christ. He is a man who loves the kingdom of Christ. And who, I trust along with all of us, longs to see the gospel and the kingdom flourish. Not only where he lives, but throughout the world. So, Peter, it's a great privilege, a great honor to have you and your family here. And I will invite you to come and read from Luke and then pray and then preach, my good brother. Thank you. If you have your Bibles with you, please, as we are told, stand up for the reading of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning with verse 44. Luke verse 24, beginning with verse 44 to the end of this chapter. It reads, <clears throat> I don't, I'm, I'm using a different version, I think. Yeah, that's not mine. It's okay. okay. Then he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and arise from the dead the third day. And the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out out as far as Bethany, And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, 
he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshipping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple complex, blessing God. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we once again come to you realizing our total dependence on the Holy Spirit to help us understand the scriptures. Thank you for your people, the opportunity to come and worship you as you told us that when we come together, we should worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we ask you that to do bless your word and speak to each one of us. And thank you that we are a blessed people whom you have called unto yourself. Speak to us now by your spirit. We ask you this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's sit up. Before uh, speaking from this text, I want first to take this opportunity to bring lots of greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ of Tanzania, particularly from the Diocese of Mara and Ukerewe. Prior to our coming, we had the Diocesan Executive Council and these people representing their people where they are coming knew that I was invited to come to this wonderful conference and they sent their warm greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank you, the saints, the brothers and sisters of Christ the King Presbyterian Church for what you have been meaning to us First, in making it possible for the pastors to come together for the conference. This has been the most appreciated gathering by the pastors and their wives. And this is because men and the women of God from here, and a few from others, have been praying and giving to us that end. And I'm just wanting to bring these greetings. And in June, we are going to be gathering again, hopefully, because I've been told that the God's people have again generously contributed to us that. I want to thank you for that. And since um, um, some of you are not here, I'm just repeating this because I believe that not everybody was here on Friday. But again, I want to thank you for the gifts some have given bicycles that we have given to the pastors to enable them to travel to the places of ministry. Now, when we talk of a pastor, don't look at Mike Malone as the pastor of Christ the King, like here. Look at him as a pastor of a number of churches. Now, up two, three, four, five, six, seven churches consist uh, con, um, form what we call a pastorate. That is where an ordained minister uh, goes around in these churches, ministering to them the word and officiating holy communion, things like that. And so he has to do that traveling here and there. Now, even the one, the local evangelist, he covers the whole village, and the bicycles have been very much a need and you have indeed graciously supplied. And last year we were amazed when God's people in this congregation donated funds and they made it possible for a well to be drilled in the place of Masinono. Now that is an area, uh, uh, that is one area among many many villages that need safe and clean drinking water. The women woke up very early 
Scott Stradley can testify because he talked with some of these women. Woke up early, perhaps at five in the morning, walking down to draw the water from the lake. And whenever they go down, it's easy because it's descending. But when they come up with a basket, a bucket, a bucket of water on their head, and they usually with a baby, most times with a baby at their back, and there's someone growing up in their womb, and you see three people, the mother, the one at the back, and the one growing, and a bucket on that. And to bring it, a long time. This takes a long distance and they really exhaust them very much. Now, God's people generously gave and we are able to drill that water. The people are happy. And this is creating an atmosphere of acceptance. Because when we go there now to preach the gospel, we go there as their friend because I've met as a very felt need. I just want to know that this is making a great difference. You are helping us in preaching Christ and showing that he cares, that he loves, and his people love uh, the people. So we just want to thank you for this. So accept these, uh, these greetings and thanks in a very small way because I could have expressed, I couldn't express. Otherwise, this would just be a Thanksgiving service. And Mike, you do not be happy if I just ended there without explaining the word. Of course, the owner of the word would want us to, speak, to, to spend time with the word of God. So thank you very much. <clears throat> One night, not, very, not a long time when we entered in Soma for the ministry that we are now involved in, we were awakened by crying, loud crying, just the, the home next to us. And we noticed that somebody had died. As it is custom in the African context, if a neighbor, they have a, uh, somebody dies, then you wake up in the night. So my wife and I we went out and visited the home, and that was crying. The father of that home had his father living with him there, and he had died. And it took a long time, people crying, people crying. And usually the ladies are the ones who cry most. I don't know here, but they spend more time crying. But this time it was different. The, 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 the father of the home, the, 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 the man, was the one who took longer time crying and would not be comforted and he just kept on crying, crying, my father, you have left him without a word. Later, after the funeral and after everything had quietened, I just asked him as a neighbor, you must have loved your father very much because... You did more than it is usually done. The women usually cry longer, but you are the one who cried longer than everybody. And he told me the reason. He said, the reason I did that, my father, when he was about to die, I asked him, Father, what, what, what is the last word that you want me to, to hear? And he was hoping some sort of blessing to be pronounced upon him. And the father just didn't say a word. Father, what do you want to say? Father, father, what do you want to say? Father, father. Then he died. According to their cultures, I told you that Mara region alone has more than 22 tribes. This is not common for everyone. If you ask some of the people at the conference... They may not know because it is according to the place where it comes from. The last words of a dying man are so important. And now him as the son who was now remaining without his father, he was expecting some sort of blessing to be said. 
But the father didn't say. You see the reasons because the last words are usually taken more seriously. And I remember even in my own context when my sons and daughters were about to go to college. It was not that we were parting for a long time. But usually my wife Esther and, uh, and I would call them in the room, the one who is traveling. Would have a time together in prayer. And would pour our, 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 our word, what, the things that we feel the young person needs to take seriously as they go to school. And they would be listening. The last words are very, very important. In our text this morning, we are seeing the last words of Jesus Christ. And so I want us to speak of how Jesus parted company with his disciples. And I, do, I, I believe that it was very important, even for these people, according to their culture, that whatever he said during his last times were carried very seriously by his disciples. And here we see, as he's about to go back to heaven, having finished the work of redemption by dying on the cross, by shedding his blood, and now he's risen from the dead. He's about to go. He wants them to remember three things that I'm seeing in this text. First, he parted with them by opening their minds that they understand the gospel. They understand the gospel. Look at what he says in verse 44 uh, and to verse 40 and verse 46. Then he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 46, it says, He said to them, this is what was written. The Messiah would suffer and arise from the dead the third day. So the first thing he wanted his disciples was actually to understand the scriptures and how they said about the expected Messiah. The Old Testament, what did he say the Messiah was to come and do? And in his response to that, he said the Messiah came to suffer and die. And this is the gospel. He wanted them to understand the gospel. And according to Jesus... He's just telling us the whole Old Testament is full of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And this was very important. He came in order to die. Now perhaps one could ask, how, where do you see? And he mentions the groups of books, the law of Moses. Where in, uh, in the law of Moses, what does he mean? And when we talk of the law of Moses, he's actually talking of the five books. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he said that the law of Moses was speaking that the Messiah would come to die. And perhaps one could ask, where can you read that? In the law of Moses, the death of Jesus. Now, I think we cannot discuss it all. But take, for example, the uh, chapter 12, the book of Exodus, about the Passover lamb and how he, the, the sons of Israel were told to choose a lamb. And I heard Mike put it very, very beautifully in Imsoma that when he did so, they were to take a lamb, blemish, and they had to stay with the lamb four days before slaughtering. And the relationship that developed before, between the family and the lamb was so precious. And yet on the evening 
of the 14th day, the family were to slaughter the, uh, the, 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 um, the lamb. And they would take the blood. And they would take that blood and paint at the lantern of the house. And what? The pots. The, the pots of, of, the, of the door. And it, this was to be done outside. And then we know, all of us now know that that meant that the angel that was executing judgment on the firstborns of Egypt, he was to do so wherever there was no blood at the door. And you, and you cannot understand this until you come to the New Testament. And perhaps hear John say, in chapter 1 of, verse, of John chapter 1 verse 29 when John said the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world the passover lamb they were not understanding by that but now we, from the New Testament perspective and post-New uh, Testament era, when we look at what was happening, it was something pointing to the coming of the Lamb of God, to the coming of Jesus, to die for sin. And that was actually, that is uh, speaking about the death of Jesus Christ. Take the bronze snake, for example, in Numbers chapter 1. That when the sons of Israel were indeed crossing where we are in the desert, they complained against God that they, are, uh, they were tired, they were, they, were, um, they were mean against God. And God punished them by bringing snakes that um, they were biting them, were beating them. What did God do? tell Moses? Make a, a snake of bronze and they lift that high so that anyone beaten by a snake, let him look directly to this bronze snake and whoever does so shall be saved. And so we read in Numbers chapter 1, if you have time, you can go and just remind yourselves of this gracious gospel. That whenever there was somebody beaten, he would just run there. Before he, if he just delayed, he would die. But then when he looked at the snake, healing was provided. Now just, just since John is just at the corner there, uh, turn with me to chapter 3 of John. And read verse 14 and 15. John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the bronze snake was actually shadowing the death, crucifixion of Jesus to carry the sins of the world. The direct sacrifices, if you had the, the time to look at the Numbers chapter 28, verse 3 and 4. Where mourning there was a daily sacrifice, the sacrifice representing the need of the wages of sin is death. A lamb was dying, and in the evening another was dying. This representing sacrifice representing the, the sinners dying, uh, the, the lamb dying for the sinners. These two was pointing to the same thing. That Jesus Christ was going to die. So actually you could take the whole day talking about the Old Testament. And if you can read in, in Hebrews chapter 10. That the Old Testament was a shadow 
of the one to come to die for the sins of the world. What about the prophets? Isaiah chapter 53. Where we are told that the, 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 he would come like a lamb. That he would die. And we read that the Lord was pleased to crush him. In Isaiah 53 verse 10. That was speaking of the death of Jesus Christ. And the same could be said in Psalms, the 22nd uh, chapter of the book of, of Psalms. It begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you read verse 14, we see that he was, his, even his joints would be dislocated. Meaning that when he was he hanging on the cross, the bones would be dislocated because of the cruelty of the cross. So Jesus, first thing that he wanted to leave with his disciples is to understand the gospel. That Jesus was indeed planned to die for the sins of the world. For the wages of sin is death. And so God so loved the world, gave his own son and died. He wanted them to understand that. And I believe the point is that he wanted to understand that that would be their message. That would be the message to carry to the world. To the needy world. He wanted them to understand that. And my dear brothers and my dear sisters, uh, we are so grateful. And you know, you, 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 the reason he also instituted the Lord's, the Lord's table was for us to remember the costly price that the Son of God had to endure on our behalf. And this is something to remember. It is something to remember that the salvation that I have today was costly. And this will be remembered eternally. Because we read in the book of Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. John was given the privilege of hearing the redeemed. He foresaw the redeemed. And it reads in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. Listen to what it says. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the crow and to open its seals. Because you are slaughtered and you redeem the people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. The death of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and later the resurrection of Jesus is the eternal theme of the redeemed. No one can forget that if it were not for this precious blood, I would not have ended eternal life out of being hell. So he wanted that to be clear. And then me as a preacher, this is something that is very important. My preaching is always to remember what Jesus Christ did for our sins. And the people need to know that. He wanted them to remember. But secondly, not only did he part by um, reminding the gospel, but he also he parted them Company by officially commissioning them to be his witnesses. Listen to what he says in verse 47 and following. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Sorry, I, wrong, I read the wrong side. 47. And repentance, I, it must, I must begin at 46 for the context to be clear. He also said it to them. This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and arise from the dead the third day. And the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And look, I'm, I'm sending you what my father promised as for you to stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. He officially commissioned them to be witnesses 
to the nations of the world. And if you read through the Gospels and Acts, I think there are five occasions that he's repeating this. And of course, he's saying this even on the last day when he's parting, repeating. The most important thing is being repeated. You are my witnesses. Of course, one could say that, of course, the ones who are told this are the ones who are physically present at the day of ascension. It's not true. Because it says, if you read in Matthew, and behold, I'll be with you until the end of the age. Peter, John, Mark, James will not be there when Jesus comes at the end of the age. It is the living Christians the Lord would be with you, the church, until the coming day. So this is something that he was departing, he was commissioning the entire church. And this is true. That's why this church, the people of God, are taking this commission very seriously. That's why we saw Americans leaving that they are comfort, the comfortable and affluent country coming to a poor country like mine to bring this precious gospel because they are, in, they are obeying what Christ has done. The target of their witness, we are told, the nations of the world, verse 47, the entire, the, the target for the, all the nations of the world Hearing Amjan, what he's saying about the people um, in the Islam world, they're in London, coming from various countries of the world, and having the privilege of attending international conferences like Amsterdam at a free, and attending the, the global Jikoe 97, which is a global consultation on world evangelization. I was amazed to see people, even from Baghdad. I said to the Arabs from Baghdad, they were testifying to the goodness of Jesus from Arabian countries. That is the target. And you are all my witnesses to all the nations. And of course, they were to begin in Jerusalem. But again, the message they were to preach, they were to preach repentance and they were to preach forgiveness of sins. Having understood the work of, the, of Jesus on the cross, having understood the love of God, that the wages of sin is death and God is sending his son, dying on the cross, shedding his blood. They were to take that message that now there is forgiveness of sin to anyone who repents and believes. And I'm a testimony to this. Unfortunately, I do not have the opportunity to tell you that the night of the 20th of April 1972, when as, a young, as I was a young man weeping, I was, still, I was married, thankfully, weeping, and my wife is a witness. I woke up that night in tears. There was nobody in the room. The Spirit of God had convicted me of my own sin. And the Lord had revealed to me that, 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 that he loves me through reading a book, Tortured for Christ. And that there are other people in the communist world who are suffering for Jesus. And they mean in this country of Tanzania, there is nothing like that. Nobody is persecuted for becoming a Christian. And I was broken. And so this is what want repentance and forgiveness is to be proclaimed. But we pastors, we evangelists are given the message to preach repentance, to call people to turn from sin, to call upon the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and when we, we repent, my dear brothers, whatever you might have done, our sins are forgiven. I, was, I told you the story on Friday of this young man, Shija, who was by, baptized to be Tito or Titus in English, and how he was involved in the occult, how he, he, remember, he suddenly remembers killing people. But today he is a witness of Jesus, telling people that Jesus can forgive. And when... Uh, he does so, uh, he, he doesn't remember.
In Psalm 103 verse 12 we read, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Now you can imagine, I don't know, here I've lost the sense of geography. Where is west, Mike? Where is west? Here. Right yes, I, I was, west? I would have said this one. Really? Oh, I would be wrong. This is the problem of being in a different place. As far as the west is far from the east, that is how the sins of those who believe are taken away, never to be remembered anymore. And do you see why? Because when he forgives, when you call upon the name of Jesus, not only does he cleanse the sins by his blood, but he also gives that person the garment of righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus is actually attributed, attributed to the sinner. The one who killed, the one who was a liar, the one who was immoral, is close to the righteousness of Jesus. Of Jesus. And so he doesn't remember. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34. Speaking of the new covenant, he says, For I will forgive their wickedness and we remember their sins no more. It's amazing. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Why? Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Micah chapter 7 verse 18 and 19. A very powerful verse. Very powerful verses. It reads, Who is like a God like you? Who pardons the sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again show compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depth of the sea. That is what he does. The sins that are forgiven are thrown in the depth of the sin, never to be remembered. And he tells this now, you are my witnesses. Take this precious gospel to the nations of the world so that they too can enjoy and have their sins forgiven. But he says, he also says, the starting point was to be in Jerusalem, near where you are. It did not mean that Jerusalem must, must everybody become a Christian and the, before you move to other nations. There would be a witness there and they would move to Judea and then they would move to, um, to Samaria. Then they would move to the uttermost of the world. This is the secret. It is very sad that sometimes the church does not take this seriously. Because in history we are told that when William Miller, who is known to be the father of, mod, of modern missions, was convicted of God, that he wanted to take the gospel to other people, going to his elders, saying, I, I feel to God to take the gospel there. Sadly, the church elders told him like this, Young man, if God wanted to save the heathen, he can do so without your help or without my help. God will help them alone. He wasn't convinced by an answer like that because he knew that the commission was given not only to the apostles, but to everybody. And so um, he went and God began using him. And we do not go alone. Verse 49 says, uh, Jesus talked to them. Remember, remain here in Jerusalem until you are closed with the power from on high. The, the, the person carrying the precious gospel does not only go with Jesus' presence, but is promised the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He is he who speaks through our hearts. He is he who opens, uh, uh, who gives understanding in our minds. And the who gives us brokenness. And we can indeed embrace him. If an, if an atheist like Richard Wambrand was moved to repentance and was willing to suffer in a communist world for um, 14 years, he does to everybody and he can indeed uh, help each one of us to understand. So the Holy Spirit would go with them. That, the, so the first thing he wanted them to remember was... <clears throat> the gospel, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. But the second thing he wanted them to remember, he commissioned, he wanted them to know that it is now them. He is not going to be here anymore. It is now the church. It is now the disciples that they are to be to obey him. They are to take them the gospel, to all the nations of the world. That's why we are very thankful to the Americans. The millions, or maybe hundreds of, uh, thousands of Americans who have gone cross-cultural, who have gone cross-culturally, taking the precious gospel, the people to be saved. That the last thing that he he, he left them, listen to what He says in verse 50 to 53. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in that temple complex, blessing God. Blessing God. These people had seen him crucified. They had seen him beaten. They had seen him buried. Now he had come back. They had seen him alive. They had seen him alive. And now there is something spectacular that's going to happen to them. Going with them to Bethany. Climbing with them. Having told that they were witnesses. As they were there, the Lord lifted his arms. And bless them. And bless them. And when he was blessing the disciples, he was blessing his church. You and I as Christians are blessed people. We are blessed people. Doesn't it say in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 4? He blessed us. Let me read Ephesians chapter 1 verse. Yes, because it's not very far. So Christians are blessed people. Look what he says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavens, in Christ. We are blessed. He blessed them. You are blessed people. And so we shouldn't think that uh, we are blessed people. The church is blessed. But as we talked the other day on Friday, looking at the example of Abraham, when God blesses a person and every Christian is blessed, he is blessed in order to become a channel, to become a conduit of that blessing to others. He blessed them. And when he had blessed them, as they were watching, suddenly he began ascending. He began, oh, 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 lifting their eyes. Oh, oh, oh. Then he disappeared in the clouds. Ah, wow. Truly, this is the Son of God. Truly, this is the Son. We saw him go. Do you know why these apostles were so were ready to die for Christ? They said they were ever, they were eager to be killed for him because they saw him ascend. They wouldn't be convinced the other was they saw by their own eyes. He ascended into heaven. Now the, 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 the thing is, 
he ascended having left the commission. He left the commission and he ascended. Then he went to them. So, he opened their eyes for them to understand the gospel so that when they go preaching, they know their message. And the message by brothers and sisters is Jesus and him crucified. He wanted them to know that it is the responsibility of the church to take this glorious message, to take this gospel to other people around the globe, to the nations of the world. And, to, and then he blessed them, lest they think that I was not blessed. We are blessed. You can ask yourself, how has God blessed you spiritually? And probably with so many things, we are blessed people. May I just finish by telling a story that has really, uh, has really blessed me when I, I, I heard that some years ago. Two Christians were discussing about their future glory in heaven. The first Christian asked the other, <clears throat> when you get to heaven, who do you want to see first? Oh, it was, he said, oh, that's easy, that's easy. The first person I wanted to see when I get to heaven is going to be Jesus Christ himself. I will want to hug him if he allows me. I would want to bow before him. I wanted to tell him thank you because you died my death. You received my judgment. You washed my sins. You gave, you gave me forgiveness. They agreed. Both agreed. Yes. He is, the, he is worthy. He is the first one of every person who is redeemed one to meet. Doesn't the scriptures also tell? They say, they sang a new song saying, worthy is the lamb. Because he was slain and by his own blood he purchased the man for God from every nation and tongue and tribe. He is worthy. He is the first. The, the friend asked again, but who do you want to see second? Oh, second person, second person. Could it be my wife? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Oh, yes, the second person I want to see when I get to heaven. I wanted to, 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 to see that man or woman of God who was moved with the compassion, who came and told me of the Savior's forgiveness, who told me of the good news that there is forgiveness in Christ. I want to tell them, I want to embrace them, I want to thank you, my sister, thank you, my brother, because if it were not for you, the good news of Jesus that he died for my sins would have been meaningless because I would not have I would not have known that. But you came, you witnessed, you preached the gospel faithfully. Thank you. That is going to be the second person. They both agreed. Then the, this man asked again, but who do you want to see third? Oh, third. Who would that be? Oh, oh, yes. The third person I want to meet in heaven is the man and the woman of God who prayed, who enabled the servant of God to minister to me, to bring the gospel to me. I will go to them and say, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Because if you were not able to support this person, Oh, I would not have received the message. They both agreed that the third important person in heaven is going to be that man and the woman of God, filled with the love of God, filled with the compassion that 
Other people need to have the blessing of salvation. Other people to know the love of God. That person will be the, the third person. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. Thank you for encouraging. You see, missionaries may go through difficulties. They may decide to return. But the prayers, the letters, the encouragement, the support, the money given to make them stay there ministering the gospel will encourage them, keep them going on. They agree that. So my dear brothers and sisters at Christ the King, may I encourage you that don't be shocked. Should you get to heaven and look at a, at a man with a chocolate-like face, like mine, <laughs> coming to you and saying, thank you, I am here because of you. And you say, no, I wasn't Mikey Malone. <laughs> I wasn't preaching. I wasn't. And they would say because you made it possible for him to come. You enabled. Uh, you enabled the servant of God to carry the message in England among the Muslims. You made it possible for him to proclaim the gospel. Don't be shocked at that one. Because this is the responsibility of us all. God has a heart for the nations. And as, as, as Jim Elliot, a missionary to the Indians, once said, I repeat, although I have said it, he is no fool. He who gives what he cannot keep to get what he cannot lose. We are called with a very blessed purpose. So let's pray for, for prayer. And I'll ask my brother Mike to close with the prayer. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you that you've called us not only to be your sons and daughters, how you have called us not only in grace and mercy to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, respond to the gospel, so that we might become sons and daughters, but you call us all in differing ways to participate with you in heralding the glad news of the coming, of the death, of the resurrection, of the ascension of Jesus the Messiah, so that a people from every race and nation and tribe and tongue might have their sins washed away cast into the depths of the sea, removed from them as far as the east is from the west. Bless this congregation to the end that countless thousands would hear the message of the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. We dedicate ourselves to this and call upon you to empower us and enable us to fulfill this pledge. We ask in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, and our friend. Amen. Thank you, brother. Would you stand with me and we'll sing this hymn, which is taken from <clears throat> Paul's letter to the Philippians. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Number 163 may be new to you. It is a marvelous hymn, a marvelous text, and I encourage you to sing with grateful hearts. Number 163.